Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. One, two, three, four! This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter. This week, my guest is Aisha Hazarika, comedian, journalist, broadcaster, former powderer of Ed Miliband's nose. <laughs> that sounds weird. That's, <laughs> I mean that in a make, very much in a makeup sense. And uh, just all-round living legend. Hello, Aisha. How are you doing? Hello, Harriet. It's lovely to be chatting to you during <laughs> lockdown. I know. Where are you at the moment? Are you in London or...? Yes, I'm sat in my basement flat in Camden Town, <laughs> hiding away from the world. I feel like I'm in a prison, but I feel I've got Stockholm Syndrome. I don't want to be here, yet I can never leave at the same time. I have definitely had some sort of lockdown Stockholm Syndrome a few weeks ago, as I am desperate to get out. But also, I don't want to go on any form of public transport mm. or see anyone else. But it's Not such a paradox, isn't it? Because like on the one hand, we're like so desperate for freedom. But the other hand, we're like quite scared because there was full mo and fear of missing <laughs> out. Now I think there's full goal fear of going out, which is like, you know, as much as I say, oh, I'd love to go to the pub. I think I'd be terrified to be squashed up, you know, with lots of other people again. Like I'm really scared about getting on the tube again or going to like a really busy pub or a gig or something like that. So it, you can't well, win really. I, I think the one good thing that's come out of this is as a short person I'm very excited to never again be wedged into somebody's armpit either on a crowd, crowded tube or in a crowded bar social distancing means that I will never again swell, smell a stranger's sweat um, we got you on the show today because we wanted to talk we've been doing some series of lockdown specials where we look at some of the key topics that have come up since this period of coronavirus i do wonder what we're going to call this period like you know when people are studying us in their history gcse in 50 years time what this period will be known as but anyway in this kind of global pandemic period um one of the topics that we're thinking about is sort of how invested we have all become in politics and also in the news cycle and what that is doing for our mental health and how it. and i thought I know a woman who knows everything about both politics and the news cycle. We'll get our issue. So, first of all, can you please give me an update as to what the F is going on with our parliament? Are people in it or are they at home? Right. So I wish there was like easy answers to all these questions, which which there should be. But everything is an effing mess right now. <laughs> and Parliament, it has really, um, really lowered itself to the to the occasion. So we had the situation w- which actually did work pretty well, where they had a, a virtual 
um, parliament. I mean, they, they allowed a, a very small number of MPs to come in for big events like prime minister's questions, but the chamber mm. was very, very much reduced. But they had screens everywhere and they moved the majority of proceedings to a virtual parliament. So select committee hearings were done via Zoom calls, just how, how businesses have been organised. Yeah. Even the House of Lords, which has got an average age of 730, <laughs> they all got, you know, the hang of Zoom and were, were doing a lot of the sort of calls. And what was really interesting about that is that I was quite sceptical about how that would work, particularly for things like Prime Minister's Questions or big um, select committee events, like something called the Liaison Committee, or things like the Health um, Select Committee, or the Home Affairs Select Committee. I was quite worried how that would all work um, you know, mm. in this kind of hybrid model. But it actually worked quite well. And I think what was interesting is during Prime Minister's Questions, a lot of people watching from home, because it was quite a big deal, Prime Minister's Questions, because of COVID, and because Keir Starmer's new leader of the Labour Party, mm. a lot of the people actually said they found it more satisfying because it was quieter and you didn't have all the noise and the sort of rabble. Um, And actually a lot of people felt that by taking the kind of the theatre down and the shouting and taking the temperature down, it felt like, you know, Parliament and these sessions were much more illuminating. But that has all changed now. Um, And I think quite a lot of it was to do with the fact that the Prime Minister call me a cynic was not having a great time at prime minister's questions against yeah. Keir Starmer and was was quite relying on having a bit of an audience sort of cheering yeah. him on so the rules have been changed and they they're quite sort of chaotic so most parliamentarians are expected to come in but as we know there are many who, who find it very difficult they themselves might be shielding they might have a health condition they might be caring for somebody who's got a health condition um, some people there are disabled um, MPs like Robert Halfen who um, you know are shielding and you know will struggle to sort of get in so it's all a bit of a mess really they, they've been allowed to contribute um, via you know zoom or a kind of a virtually but in terms of voting they it's, it's just been I think they're just getting a proxy vote now but I think a lot of people think it's quite a missed opportunity to just not allow the virtual voting and the electronic voting to carry on. Because I think in a modern day parliament, it's not just COVID, but you know, if you look at new mothers and fathers yeah. who um, we're trying to preach as a parliament to the rest of the workplace about flexible working, being a bit more tolerant or accommodating of people with caring responsibilities. Yet the message we're sending out is basically, ah, well, if you're not fit enough and committed enough to be in parliament well you're just not that serious and an mp you know and that's i think a very damaging message at this point as we develop as a society to be sending out do you think that there is there's going to be a backlash against this because potentially we could have a second wave of covid19 we could see more people getting ill and if we have a parliament that said no no no, if you're going to work for us you've got to be sat here in parliament that's a quite a a strong message i guess to businesses as well to say it's okay to order your employees into the office regardless of their health absolutely harriet i mean you just hit the the nail on the head i think it's the sort of you know do as we see not Mm. as we do because the message i think rightly from the prime minister is if you can work from home you you should do and that is a really important message to get out to um businesses because 
the real worry is that we've put in all this hard work and the R number has thankfully gone down, although not in all parts of the country. In the Northwest, it's still, it's still pretty high and it's kind of going up. Um, so we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. So the worry is, you know, businesses and everybody looks at what the government is doing and goes, all oh, right, fine, well, we'll just order everybody back to work. And then, you know, we could be in a really difficult position. How do we get to work, have to get on public transport? We'll all be bunched up together. Um, we'll be back in our workplaces, which let's be honest, even if you work in quite a big office, you're still really bunched up next to everybody. Yeah. We know that lots of people have to hot desk. You know, you are bunched up. Meeting space, meeting rooms are very tight in modern businesses. You're all bunched up into small rooms for airless rooms for meetings. So I think it does send out a bad signal from a health point of view, but also just from a progressive society and an economy point of view i actually think a lot of businesses will have if they're smart they'll realize that you can do so much from home i mean who did whoever thought we could be sitting here you know you as mm -hmm. you as a broadcaster will be doing all your broadcasting work from home you know i yep. put a newspaper i put my pages of a newspaper together from home every this this stuff was thought impossible at once i think a lot of businesses if they're smart will probably think well we'll save ourselves a lot of money and get rid of the office because you actually don't need it. This is what this pandemic has shown. Isn't it funny how actually when we're given the option to return to what we know and is normal and safe, we just run straight back to it, even when it's not what works best. That's what occurred to me there. Um, mm. Do you think our way of working in Parliament has become more collaborative and can it stay like that? And what I mean by that is certainly, you know, when Keir Starmer was first elected as leader of the Labour Party, he said very clearly, I'm not going to take the government on on stuff that it doesn't need to be taken on for. I'll hold it to account. I will uh, push on the questions, but I'm not going to be, essentially he said, I'm not going to be difficult for the sake of being difficult. And it was much more collaborative. Do you think that is going to, I mean, not necessarily that should remain, obviously, you know, we have opposition parties for a reason, but that understanding that sometimes you get more done when you work together, do you think that will last? No, I don't think it will. Um, just be really honest with you. Ever hopeful. <laughs> Straight talking. So I think I think it I think it was important and, and necessary um, at the beginning of this crisis because I think it would have been the wrong thing for um, Keir Starmer and the Labour Party to have just kind of carried on the same sort of style that Jeremy Corbyn had adopted, which was just criticise everything. Uh, say that everything is absolutely sort of terrible. Um, yeah. I just feel that that would that is that would not have been the right thing to do or the smart thing to do, and it's just not where the public were because I think at that point, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was just so frightened. They weren't looking at this in terms of tribal lines or party politics. This was like a sort of not just a national emergency; it was a global emergency. So I think he took the right um, approach to begin with, but and I think. I mean, I, I interviewed him for the London Evening Standard and it was at a time when um, Matt Hancock was under a lot of pressure because he had said that he wanted to hit these targets um, of testing every day, but, but the targets were not yet being met. And I, I asked Keir Starmer if, um, if Matt Hancock doesn't reach this target, which I think was that week, are you going to call for him to resign? And he actually said, no, I'm, I'm not going to call for him to resign because, you know, I think the testing target is there for an important reason. I want him to meet the target, but it would be a bit immature and irresponsible to actually call for the head of the 
of the health secretary in the middle. So I think that was a really good example of being quite constructive. You know, the traditional thing would be, yes, like, you know, I'm going to call for his head. It's an absolute distress. And I thought that's, and actually Keir Starmer got quite a lot of criticism from the left at Mm. that point because they were like, oh, he's too soft on the government. How can you not be calling for Matt Hancock to go? But I think as the, as the case and the body of evidence has mounted against the government's many failings from being late into lockdown, lack of PPE, lack of um, testing, lack of thinking about care homes, and of course the the, the huge number of excess deaths. I think uh, there is now a charge sheet for him to legitimately critique the government on. And he's not just critiquing the government on behalf of himself as a Labour leader. He's Mm. doing it on behalf of the public, because I think the public want the government look we all want the government to succeed our lives depend on it our livelihoods depend on it but there are a lot of questions that need to be asked and if you don't ask those questions of leader as leader of the opposition you're not doing your job so i do think the gloves have come off and i'm afraid you know it's very easy to say oh let's take the politics out of this but politics is now a matter of life and death these political decisions are the stakes are so high on them so I think I'm afraid the time of Kumbaya has been and gone (laughs) (laughs) even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. You can get in touch on all the socials on at Badass Women's Hour. One thing I really wanted to ask you about was um, this idea of keeping up with the news and keeping up with what's going on politically and in our government and with coronavirus. Because certainly when the whole thing started, I think everyone was there glued to the daily briefings. Uh, Instantly, overnight, pretty much everyone I knew became an absolute expert in infectious disease. And we were all sort of suddenly deeply deeply interested in bar graphs which maybe had been up until that point um and then after a while it almost got too much and I definitely had a point where I had to be like I just can't I can't watch the daily briefing for a little bit I was like I need a few days where I just don't watch it where I don't know what's going on and this is my world you know I'm used to having to keep up with what's going on in the news I'm used to having to digest it all the time and I just got to a point where I was like I have to put it down 
how do you manage that it, it is hard um and like you it's my job you know i'm i'm a journalist i'm i'm a news hound i have to keep on top of things i'm often on the radio very early in the morning commentating on overnight news and um, i work on a on a on a daily paper so we have our morning conference very early and you know we're sort of you know we're on conference calls from like seven in the morning so you know i do have to be across the news i do broadcasting very late at night on sky papers and things like that so it's my job to be you know on the news pretty much most of all my waking hours and and i love the news i'm a news addict but even I found it really overwhelming at times and just, you know, that point where your brain is, is really, really wired. And I think we all have to really find a way of looking after our, our mental health um, at the moment as well, because we're all trapped in our houses. We, we are interested in, in what's happening in the news. Of course we are. But the news is incredibly upsetting at the moment, whether it's the you know stories about how many people have died with coronavirus, whether it's the stories of this you know horrific mother of all recessions coming down mm. the track and the, the 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 figures on on what projected unemployment might be, and of course just this weekend we've had huge explosion you know on race inequality, Black Lives Matter. I mean we're actually at the stage where we're watch you know we've watched a man die on yeah. our camera you know on our phones on our screens and all of this stuff does take its toll on you and added on top of that is the very very aggressive um nature of of twitter particularly which is all about attacking people um very explosive views a lot of you know, d difficult things to handle if you're a woman or a person of color. There's a lot of, you know, it's hyper aggressive. And it, this all makes like a kind of a perfect storm for it all becoming quite overwhelming. I mean, I sometimes do worry about how much time I'm glued to, to the news and particularly Twitter. I mean, I'd love to say to you that I've worked out a kind of Gwyneth Paltrow way of, <laughs> of, of looking at, I mean, my, you know, when you get that pop up from your screen time and it literally like, it's literally like, Aisha, your screen time is 36 hours a day on, on Twitter. It's like, ah, um, but it's very, it's very difficult. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I do try to do now is I've really, I've changed my kind of settings on Twitter. So mm -hmm. I don't see messages from people i think who don't follow me or don't have verified accounts that's cut down on a lot of the abuse that i see and a lot of the quite honestly quite a lot of the misogynistic quite yeah. violent quite racist abuse that i used to get which i which would be quite difficult you know i obviously would find that quite sort of difficult um i tr i'm trying to now have a give myself a few more breaks um and you know sometimes you just have to put your physically put your phone out of sight for like an hour or something like that just to or if you know if you're going to sit down and watch something which is a complete distraction on netflix or something like that don't do looking at two screens at one time you know try and put your phone away and just give your brain a break for an hour even if you're watching something mindless on twitter but i think it's really hard and i think it is something it's something that i think lots of people even i think the general public are suffering from it and I think even seasoned journalists um, are suffering from it as well. Do you think there is something to be said for us um, not necessarily taking a break but actually saying it's okay to say I'm almost going on a virtual holiday this week <laughs> this week even though I'm not leaving my house I am pretending that I'm on holiday and I'm putting my phone down and I'm putting the news down and I'm 
not buying a paper and I'm just, although everyone should buy a paper because they're in trouble at the moment, um, but I'm taking a week off or are we going to fall behind? It's a really, it's a really good question. I think it's quite a paradox right now, isn't it? Because mm. we're all working from home and we can't go anywhere. So taking a holiday or taking some time off feels like quite kind of contradictory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think paradoxically, we're actually all working even more, even though we're at home because yeah. we are switched on the whole time. And even though, and we have these extra hours in the day where we're not doing the commute. And I think a lot of people are filling that with with work particularly um you know if you're in news where you are just kind of processing a lot of information i think it's i think it is important to try and give yourself a bit of a break but again i'm just going to be really honest with you Mm. i think it's really hard i think a lot of us are now hardwired from the minute we get up in the morning to the minute we shut our eyes because we're isolated at home we feel that we're kind of connected through this black screen in the palm of our hand even though it's a sort of fake connection in many ways but there's a psychological sort of need to feel plugged into what's going on I think a lot of people feel quite anxious if they even drop out for a couple of hours and also the news cycle moves so fast these days you know what it's like you can sort of Mm -hmm. not be on Twitter or your phone for like I don't know four hours and then suddenly there's a whole new story that's blown up and you have to catch up on it so it's again I I don't have an easy um, I don't have an easy suggestion I mean one of the things I wanted to try and do myself was at night time just to try and get off my phone a bit earlier before I go to bed because I don't know about you but I think a lot of people are having a lot of trouble winding down and going to sleep and having strange dreams Yeah. yeah and just being like really wired and thinking about everything and I think that's quite a sensible thing to do but it is it is hard I think I think the full I think being connected is both a blessing and a curse look at in many ways it is good right I don't want to be on these people who's just like oh phones mm-hmm. are all terrible and tech's all terrible we're all surviving because of tech it's allowing us to be connected and there's a lot of as much as there's a lot of horrible stuff online there's a lot of kinship as well yeah. and sort of you know friendship in a way that gets a lot of people through the day particularly if you're kind of living by yourself but it, it is also, you know, as we've sort of said, it, it, there's a lot of kind of downside to it. So I think what will be interesting is when we come out of this and as you say, like down the track when behavioural experts and social scientists look back, what will be the profound effect stroke damage on us as a result of all of this and just being so kind of wired the whole time and just so like all our socialization all our news gathering everything is just through screens and on our phones it's going to be fascinating to see how that the impact of that i think you're completely right i think i mean so many impacts i think are going to be completely fascinating i think it's going to be how we interact with people will completely change do you, do you think we'll be do you think it will do you think we'll be bad at interacting pe- with yes. people when we come out yes. of this one of the things i think is going to be really interesting is the concept of face masks and how that is going to change our interaction because we think already how um how particularly in the uk how terrible we are at dealing with anyone who wears say um a facial covering whether that's a veil or you know, even i remember being on a train with a woman who just kind of had a scarf bound around her face and a hat on and people were treating her almost weirdly um 
you know, we're really uncomfortable when we can't mm. see people's faces. And I think that plus our sort of this fear that we now have of people where we're like, oh, can I hug you? No, mm. I can't. What does that mean? Oh, I think that's going to really change actually our level of tolerance to people as well. Yeah, especially because we are, we're quite attacked. We've, because we went for yeah. a long time, we've been like, oh, we're not like the French, we don't kiss. And now we're like, we're all, we're all over people. Like, you know, we're big huggers now, aren't we? Like, that's a big thing. You know, I hug everyone. I hug everyone. And I like, I really don't, I put kisses at the end of all my emails, all that kind of stuff. And so suddenly it's like, oh no, we've gone back. We've, we've stepped back into a very reserved place. And it's, I do say to everyone though that if you ever watch a terrible program on TLC called 90 Day Fiance, that is proof that people can fall in love without ever seeing, touching, or even being in the same continent as each other. Ah. So, is that a bit like Love is Blind? Is that a bit, oh my God, I loved Love is Blind so much. I loved it so much. I loved it so much. In fact, I was thinking about you. I was thinking, I need the Harriet podcast to go with this. I know, I was like, just need to talk about it. I love it. Uh, Finally, my darling, I won't take too much more of your time, but I just want to ask you, um, from a sort of political, governmental, how as a society we interact with politics way, what is one thing you think will have changed in a year's time because of COVID-19? Well, I think the, I think what we're going to see is a public health crisis, which collides with this huge economic crisis. So I think in a year's time, things we could have, we could have just had a very, very difficult year um of redundancies people having a really really tough time so i i'm quite worried about that now what i hope is that this moment this huge profound experience that we've all been through together provides a a kind of teachable moment where we think right what are the what are the things we should learn coming out of this and i hope the things that the positives that we learn are you know, let's um, let's think about who we value in society and not not constantly um, overlook people that are actually really valuable to us, who we very derogatively called low skill, but actually they became mm. our, our heroes and heroines during this. You know, our key workers, all of that sort of stuff. So I hope we become we, like we all feel like we're a bit kinder now. And we've got a bit better relations with our neighbours. We did the clap for carers. I hope we do see that through in terms of keeping pressure on the government in terms of how they handle this difficult economic period and we don't just cut everything again and we don't just sort of punish people at the bottom who actually do really important work for us that that's what I really kind of hope happens but I I do think I think politics is going to get ever more divisive Mm. because the stakes are going to be really really high I think I think we could be in for quite an angry time yeah, because with so many people losing their jobs, um, or if not them, seeing their children or grandchildren, I think people are going to be quite angry and quite fearful. So I really hope look, we're not going to have a general election for for four years. We we have mm-hmm. um, Boris Johnson as our prime minister. I'm not his biggest fan, but I really really hope for the sake of the country, he does sort of rise to the to the challenge because I think being prime minister is hard anyway but to be prime minister at a point where things are going to get so so tough and with the economy and and with society i really hope he does try and lead for everybody because we do not want our country to to fall apart we don't want our country to become really really free that will just not help 
any of us and that will not help our future prosperity of our or our future happiness as a country so basically economic decline levels of arguing at brexit plus plus and boris johnson Aisha, that's a, a joyous note to leave us on. Thanks. Jazz hands. But the good news is, is that maybe Love Island will come back. That's oh, the only positive I've got for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Aisha, it's so lovely to talk to you as ever. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom. You've been a joy. Thank you. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more badass guests and in-depth chat. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 